Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Thank you to all the frontline hospital heroes, the underpaid warehouse workers, and that Wendy's employee who uh, slipped me an extra frosty. Thanks, buddy. Ha! This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Uh, this week on the pod, I am so excited for this one. We have got on uh, producer, director, and intimacy coordinator, Regina Banali. And I cannot wait to share her with y'all uh, in this fascinating topic in a little bit. But first, not show dates, people. Come on. What shows are happening? It's emails. Let's do your emails. Uh, this one, this was a ne- this next one is fun. This is an Instagram DM from Stephanie. She DM me that, uh, hey, I'm Stephanie from England. My boyfriend, David, and I uh, have been listening to your podcast for a while. He even introduced me to it. Um, that was over a year and a half ago. He said you play Sellers of Catan, and we started playing today online in lockdown. I'm beating his ass. We would like to challenge you to a game. <laughs> uh, never gotten that DM before, and I was so excited because, yes, I do love Sellers of Catan. No, I do not own a board so that I could play you know, in person during quarantine. And, yes, I am a big fan of playing uh, on Catan Universe. And I did play these two in a game, and I told him, because I was like, a year and a half, you're not Patreon members, what are you doing? If I win this game, David needs to join my Patreon. And I did smack that shit down, and he is a $10 member, so all right. <laughs> Look, just because we're in lockdown doesn't mean we can't find new, fun, creative ways to gamble. Uh, but but thank you for reaching out, Stephanie and David. Uh, I look forward to playing uh, again soon. And by the way, if you want to play... If you want to put together like a fan whore Catan game, I mean, I'm down. Just just shoot me an email. Okay, um, this last one is actually, this is our very first like voice memo email feedback thing, which you can do. I don't know why I haven't invited this sooner. If you ever want to like send your audio feedback, you can record that using the voice memo function on your phone and then email it to manwhorepod at gmail.com and you can hear your voice on the show. All right, this one comes from Aurora. I apologize because this uh, voice message is not sex-related, but I'm listening to one of your Corona casts right now, and your food issues are making me feel so fucking seen. Um, It sounds very similar to things I deal with, so thank you for that, so I don't feel like such a freak. (laughs) Hope you're having a good day. Thank you, Aurora, and I... I appreciate it. I'm, I know I'm not the only picky eater out there, and I'm not even that fucking weird about it. I just, you know, I like the foods that I like. What's the problem? <laughs> uh, I'm glad you could connect to that one, too. She is uh, referring to last Saturday's Corona cast, uh, episode 323, where Megan uh, <laughs> chides me for my my lack of expansive eating preferences. And if that if that wasn't enough, I think I think this Saturday you're going to hear her talk on the Corona cast with my mother, like literally ask her why is he like this when it comes to the food? I never thought they would do 20 minutes on my my eating habits. 
I gave them the mic and I thought like, okay, they, these two gals can have fun. I didn't know they were going to obsess over it. So Aurora, if you feel seen, then get ready to feel attacked on Saturday, <laughs> but thanks for writing in. Uh, and one more time, you can send uh, your comments, your questions, your titty pictures, your voice feedback memos to manhorpod at gmail.com. Uh, I want to remind people tomorrow, May 7th, is the very first monthly Manhore Munch. We're having a Zoom get together with uh, the $7 and up members of my Patreon community, having a Zoom chat, uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The first hour is clothing required. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say something is going to happen at 10.30. I'm not saying something's not going to happen at 10.30. $7 members, by the way, also get access to nearly 200 bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast, my private Patreon-only posts. So there are a lot of ways to become a member and be a part of an awesome, fabulous, sex-positive community. And that's a great time to say uh, it's time for the Fan Whore Appreciation Moment. Okay. Thank you to Randy J. Maples. Randy, who you know, who has the horniest first name that ever was. It's the horniest first name ever. It used to be Dick, short for Richard. And then someone started to sign the name children Randy. And that, you know, became the horniest name. So good job, dude. Thanks for being a member. Shout out to Mo. Mo bitches. Mo money. Mo alimony. Thanks for being a member. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Alexander Goya who all I know really is a Vegas boy. And, oh, God, can't wait to get back to Vegas. And a shout-out to Jessica Nyland. Welcome back, sweetie. Uh, We know you had to leave for a little while, and now you're back, and we're happy to have you. I know I missed you. Thanks for being a member again. Join us today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Uh, I'm, by the way, I'm just super grateful to, uh, to the fan whore community. You, you all have literally been the reason that I am remaining calm during quarantine. And while I'm able to focus on, you know, making cool content for you going twice a week. Yeah. A lot of podcasts, they ramped down. They're like, Hey, we'll be back later. No, I was like, I'm giving you more episodes, still giving you your bonus episode production. Uh, and I get and 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 doing picking up freelance writing gigs, getting published in magazines. I'm only able to focus on that because of the consistency of my membership of my fan whore community. Y'all mean so fucking much to me. I appreciate that you pay for some of your content. I don't care if you're a one dollar pledge or a twenty dollar pledge. You mean the world to me. And now for this week's guest, Regina Benali. Uh, Regina Benali is a uh, director, a producer, and also an intimacy coordinator. Um, I uh, had a chit chat with Regina uh, about this, this new position that's starting to pop up in Hollywood. You know, you know, I don't think we think about how these sex scenes get put together. I, I know I personally just thought the two actors either worked it out amongst themselves or they showed up to set and they gave it a go. I, I didn't think about like how, how much it could be orchestrated or how much it should be orchestrated. I certainly didn't think of, you know, the problems that can arise on set doing sex scenes, especially sex scenes that don't go rehearsed or talked about. It doesn't differ that much from the communication that we need to have with newer sex sex partners, right? 
You talk about you know, what's okay, what's not okay, what's a maybe. Well, yeah, why wouldn't, why wouldn't that carry on on set? That makes total fucking sense. Let's go talk with director Regina Benali. A lot of times you look at IMDb page and you see certain roles in like that have name like mermaid number whatever, right? Most people go like, uh, uh I no, I knew exactly who that was. I was like, oh my god, it's her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, big, I, big fan. <laughs> oh yes, I was one of the underwater mermaids in the in Steven Spielberg's Hook. <laughs> and you were saying that there was like a big, like you you had some thoughts and feelings on it that you were yeah, sharing well, before. I was very young it was one of my first roles and i wasn't really managed well i i don't think i wasn't I, I wasn't mentored or guided well and i and i was really young and full of myself and i thought you know it was actually originally a big part it had six scenes and there was a lot of dialogue okay there were above water scenes talking to robin williams and, and um so it was supposed to be a launch pad Right. For me, and I didn't really know career strategy then, like I do now, or like better than I did then. Um, and nobody was really guiding me at the time. And my agents and managers weren't, they just weren't that helpful. And I tell, I, I talk about young, I talk to young actors about this now, because at the time when I booked the role, there was about a year between booking the role and the film coming out. Yeah. And when I booked the role, all the casting directors wanted to 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 bring me in for things because mm. because I had booked this big role. She's about to break out yes. in that new Robin Williams flick. Here yes. we go. And it was for things like <clears throat> Children of the Corn Four or something, you know. <laughs> and but at the time, I was like, Psh, I don't need Children of the Corn Four. I'm about to be a big star in a Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> And so I didn't uh I didn't really work on my auditions or or sometimes I flaked on things. Uh How I, old are you like roughly when this is going on? In my early 20s. Early 20s, the most flaky of periods. Yes. And you know, I flaked on a Baywatch audition. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I really really was full of myself. And mm. I and I was overconfident in what this was going to happen for me. And my agents and managers were just like, "Okay, you can tell I'm a Kubrick friend. Yeah. <laughs> you want you want freakies? The first burlesque uh, show I ever went to, it was uh, in Philadelphia, and it's a recurring burlesque show where they always do the theme of like some director, and they do all the acts are based on that. Uh -huh. Well, the night my friend took me out to this burlesque show, it's Stanley Kubrick themed, Ooh. and yes, they did Clockwork Orange, wow. and yes, it was that scene. Oh my god! Very. <laughs> confusing i was like so should i be turned on should i be horrified i'm not sure it's like they're taking a very horrific scene and making it sexy <laughs> right okay so anyway yeah so back to what happened to me is uh through the course of working on the film and all of the subsequent changes that happened to that those scenes uh -huh. most of them were cut out and did y'all the, shoot them we shot one of them okay which was cut out and then we just and the stuff that we did underwater was the only thing left in the film so it really you know i i kind of blew my window mm. and then once it came out it was like Meh. and then i was like oh i guess i should have <laughs> i didn't should have gone that baywatch audition i know i didn't strike i didn't understand that that was my 
that was my moment to strike. Right. What's the mentality? Is it like, I'm just in this thing and then everything's going to come to me? Well, what I thought the movie was going to come out and I was going to be in six scenes with yeah. a ton of dialogue. And then I would be able to write my ticket because then I would get big stuff. Right. And it when it didn't happen that way, uh, I didn't have even the the uh, children of the corn four. Yeah. I didn't have anything, you know. So I it I really blew it on that. That was really stupid. Yeah, how do and you- <laughs> I, <laughs> but I was young and stupid. We live and so, learn. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm so. here right now with uh <laughs> with, with would you say for a former actress? Retired you, actress. Retired? Former actress. Former actress and intimacy coordinator, uh, Regina. Among many other things. I'm also a, thing, a director. A producer, director, yeah. Yes. Um, Regina Benali, everybody. And I. this job that, that one, of, one, of, one of the jobs that you have as an intimacy coordinator is like fascinating to me because it's like, I don't think anyone even thinks that that job exists. I don't think everyone know, realizes what goes into that. Do you want to explain a little bit what the job is? Well, it's basically in a nutshell – it's like a stunt coordinator for sex scenes. Yeah. And how, how how long have you been doing that? For about a year. And has this been like a role that has been existing a long no, time? It's only been around for about two years. Why, why, is it, why did it take so long for something that seems like a no-brainer? <laughs> I know. It, it, it has taken a long time. I, when I, in my early, in the, in the early, no, late, Mid to late nineties, I did a bunch of low budget films and and uh there was there was a period of time when there was a straight to video right. niche where it was a lot of action movies that kind of TNA films and and uh I did a bunch of love scenes. <clears throat> I probably did 150 different love scenes. And there we were all all of us actresses in that in that camp that got constantly hired in these. Mm. We were always in need of an advocate, and we were doing it for each other at the time. Mm. And you know, I tried to get somebody hired to, and I and I helped my friends when they were doing their scenes because there wasn't anyone there, and there were a lot of violations and traumas that took place on those sets at the time and they're they're just nobody was listening nobody cared because what was the response when you would say hey we should have someone who's like (laughs) assisting with this um because this is also pre crickets yeah crickets (laughs) just no no reply just no call back oh that sounds like a good idea maybe we'll do that the next one crickets yeah um and this is all just to be conscious of it is wild because it's before like Consent culture started like hitting mainstream. Exactly, it was way before Me Too. Mm-hmm. Do you think me, the you know the allegations against Harvey are the yes. reason why we have this role? Yes, I think that was the catalyst that got people to start looking. You know, when something when things are going by and you're kind of ignoring them, you get you get complacent and you get used to it, and then something major happens. Mm. And then you go, oh, my God, that's terrible. And then you're like, wait, but this is kind of happening over here, too. And then I'm kind of doing that a little bit over here. And then you start looking and going, oh, wait, I, I, I'm not putting up with any of that anymore. Yeah. And then you start tamping it out in all of the places that you see it. So it kind of kicked it off, I think. Yeah. And so uh, what was the first kind of gig doing that? Like, because you're, you know, you're going into a thing that no one's been doing. Um. 
Well, everyone's been really receptive. Uh, the actors appreciate it. The producers appreciate it because they, it, it gets them off the hook because they're getting scared, especially male producers. Mm. They're they're scared now. And like, good. Good. Like, yeah. good. Be, <laughs> yeah. be, like, yes, people are scared, but also like, it's good to be a little scared. Yeah. Like, people tend to operate better. Right. So it, it kind of, they, they kind of feel like, okay, good. So you can just, you can take care of this and make sure that that nothing goes wrong and where everything everybody's safe and comfortable and nothing ever comes back on us. Mm-hmm. And like, what what did it look like back then when you were just like helping your friends in the nineties as like an unofficial, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> well, back in those days, there was like there was like a there wasn't as many actresses as there are now. It. Mm-hmm. it it's it was even smaller as small of a town as LA is now it was even smaller then so that was like the same core you know 30 40 actresses that were doing all of that genre of yeah. films so there were two kind of camps of women there were the one camp that would parlay favors to the producers by being uh by trying to coerce other women into being more suggestive and risque than they had wanted to. Mm. And then there was my camp that was that was out to help the other girls, tell them what's up, like because th- there would be girls that cast in things that w- didn't even know what a patch was. What, and I'd be what's, like, what's a patch? What's a patch? <laughs> <laughs> Back then, what we used as a barrier for on on the women was a patch, which is basically a big band aid that you put on your genitals. Oh, okay. And then the guy wore a sock, basically. Not a not a real sock, but it was like a sack that that we called a sock. Okay. And the patch doesn't have like a waistline or something, so you can't. Right. So it yeah. so if you're standing up front side and back, you look nude. And and these girls didn't even know that they just thought they were going to be right, nude. Right. Right. Or they thought, well, it's not going to be seen. And it's like, oh, there's two cameras in that room. And one of them is pointing where you don't know what it's pointing. Right. And this is before the phones when, like, there's yeah. definitely a camera and, on And you. there was no monitors. Monitor as in, like, a physical person? or like No, the, I mean the, a monitor, the, like okay, a screen the, monitor. Because we were shooting on film. This is back yeah. in the old days. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we were shooting on film. And there would be, like, there wouldn't be monitors where you could, where you could actually see what you what was being seen. you could see like is this is this nipple actually in frame or not type <laughs> no of thing. right yeah. so and there was tricks that the producers were were trying to pull on on actresses and you know and my my core group of uh girls some of which are now also doing intimacy coordinating mm-hmm. we were always helping the the new actresses and telling them this is what you got to do this is what type of things protect- would you be telling them well, back in those days, we we I would bring my own patches, and I would get and I would go and buy the the kids kind that had cartoon characters on them, so that you could definitely tell you wouldn't be able to use a shot that looked kind of like where you could see something there because you'd it's going to be such a ridiculous. They didn't pattern. have they didn't have VFX <laughs> yeah. as well as they do now. Okay, they weren't they they weren't spending it on the that. Um, they were spending $50,000 on film and processing, but they weren't spending, they weren't doing, it's not, it's not like it is now with digital where you can just VFX something right out. So, I mean, this is all old timey stuff that we can't use anymore, but, but just to give you a history of, mm. of, of what happened back then, okay, my phone is going to keep going now. The dogs are going to bark. Um, 
where was I? So yeah, you, so, I, I was asking like, what type of tips would you be giving the girls at the time? Well, because you were saying they can't. Some of them were coming in bright eyed and and fresh faced oh, yeah. and had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. Well, tips on how to make it look good mm-hmm. and believable, but also ways of blocking so that you didn't have to really be grinding up on the actor and which actors to watch out for uh, and what to expect with certain a- actors that you're going to be working with. What what kind of things could uh, were the, the more problematic actors expected to be doing um, handsier than the script called for? Well, the script, <laughs> the love scenes are never written. No, no, of course. So but just there's the idea nothing of like, in the script. Handsier than than you want them want them to be, and also, um, you know, just kind of rubbing up on you more than you need. Yeah, yeah. like unnes- like get going a little too far. Yeah, where they're where they're actually getting some gratification out of it. Yeah, it, as far as abusing the situation, <laughs> yeah, be like well, taking get- advantage of the of the situation. Yeah, this scene is a, is like a free ticket to some, yeah. you know. To some stuff I wouldn't be able to get away with if there were right. no cameras around. And it and and several and me and several other actresses, we've had experiences where we go back to the dressing room and and uh, you know the guy comes at, over into your room and he's got his robe open or you know he thinks hey, well we just did it on camera so we yeah should like do it you in were real into life. it oh yeah you know you were so into it no I'm a great actress yeah and so is your wife and, probably and part of what happened what what's helping with in, with just part of intimacy court mm. this is only just part of it yeah is choreographing each motion and getting consent from both actors so that not only do you know what the other actor is going to do, but you can plan your response to it. Whereas if you're improvising, the way improvising works is you're acting and reacting. So the, so an actor says go and then you're, and then you say something else off of what that, that what they said or did. So, when you're improvising a love scene and one actor does something, you feel like, oh, well, I should react like this way because my character is turned on by that. But then when you get the vibe that the other guy's like, oh, she likes this. And then you're like, no, buddy, I'm acting like this. So then you freeze up and, and you become stiff and you stop reacting. And then does and then does the director look at you and be like, "Well, she can't handle this." Yeah, scene yeah. And it's like, "Well, if I if you got a better actor, or, yeah. or you or or are we if this was just managed in some way?" Yeah. But when you choreograph it and you know, okay, I'm gonna he's going to touch your breast, then you're gonna react, and and and, and you're both create that. Mm. You both create that 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 scene together with that understanding then you can plan your reaction and both parties know that we're not this isn't what we want to do this is what the characters are doing and it's not us did it used to always be just more improvising love scenes yeah and so completely improvised and so now you're like really actually getting through like this much like okay he's gonna grind onto you and he's gonna grind onto you like this and is that like what's the negotiation on an offset like it's it's the director's vision you right you know, you don't want to step on the director's toes because it's their vision, mm-hmm. but you have to talk to the actors by themselves and find out what they're really okay with. Mm-hmm. Because there's also a power, a power dynamic with, you know, not feeling, feeling, being in the room when everyone looking at you, including the director, and they, is that okay? And you're like, well, yeah. I don't want to say no, and then you right. guys think I'm difficult to work with. Right. So if you, when you part of being a good intimacy coordinator is being able to read people mm. and really talk 
talk to them by themselves and really understand what is okay and what's not okay with them and figuring out a way to capture the same story and sometimes even in a better looking way or in a way that at least doesn't violate their 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 boundaries right and i I think about blue is the warmest color because i heard like such horror stories about that where it was like the director's vision is like almost, you know, it's too much vision uh, that was to the point t- of like being unrealistic. <clears throat> right. That movie was made for the male gaze, in right. my opinion. Um, I think those girls were were taken advantage of. I feel like mm. I feel like they were exploited. Uh, those love scenes were ridiculously too long. <laughs> Even I was like, and look, I'll, I'll be honest, I was very turned on by the whole thing. But I'm like, this is also a little long. <laughs> like, yeah. How long are we doing 15 and full? <laughs> That's a, I can't even do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those, the, those women came out of that film with some traumas. I imagine. <laughs> but you know, what, what, what could they, they had no power at the time and they were unknown actresses getting a big break. So, and if someone like you was there, you'd be a, you know, you'd be there to advocate for them and, and speak up and. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I don't think that guy would hire an intimacy coordinator. I don't know him, but <laughs> if if his intention was to exploit them that way and and make his film just for the male gaze, a, a lesbian film about the for the male gaze, I don't know if he's going to be down with being super PC. Yeah. But um I feel like that story could have been told with 45 minutes less of a movie and more authentic because i'm sorry i don't think lesbians they don't they don't scissor it's it's not as common <laughs> as as people think <laughs> and you know when, they, when when you're talking to when you're doing the negotiations over like what are you okay with what are you not okay with um you know what are some examples of like you know someone saying no and then how do you deal with actually i'm not comfortable with this particular action can we do something else then you think then you try to think of another way well what's mm-hmm. the point of the story why are these people cuz it all boils down to why is this sex scene here in this film why is it right here in the movie what how does this advance the story where are these characters how are they developing into this why are they having what are you trying to what what is what's the right. story element here why are they having sex with each other? Why are they having sex right now? And why are they se- having sex in this location? Yeah. So once you answer all those questions, you can come up with different scenarios and ideas that maybe answer those. Yeah. Have you been hired for, for a job where the it didn't make sense? Where like you're looking at it be like, why are they fucking <laughs> right now? Look, hum- human sexuality is just part of life. I don't think... I mean, I think that that sex scenes are beautiful and it's part of the story. And I, I'm not against that in any way. I think you can always make it work unless you're, I mean, I, I think you can always make it work. So far, knock on wood, it's been okay. But before the advent of like the intimacy coordinator, how are you handling love scenes in your own films that you were directing? <clears throat> well, I... In my film, I've only I've only had so far a scene which was kiss passionate kissing. Okay, and I talked to them beforehand, and I we 
rehearsed it without the kissing because I, I I don't see a point in kissing in rehearsals. Okay. But I gave them a clips and we talked it over and I showed them exactly what kind of a kiss we were going for. And they, that's it a, was That's perfect. the thing you have to do. You have to go find some YouTube videos of like, hey, this is the, what we're looking it for. It depends on what you're... Because my, my particular film was very genre specific. Mm. And I was going for a very particular kind of kiss. So th- I did that, and 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 I think that does help when you're going for a specific thing. Okay. How how do you describe a kiss to the actors? I mean, outside of showing the examples, like, what's the kind of language you use? Well, uh, you just use English. I mean, uh, we I, all understand yeah, kissing, right? But you but know. in that scene, I really wanted, you know, it was my film was a spaghetti western. So it was kind of a takeoff on some films that I had. And I actually had some clips. I was going for a very 60s passionate kiss, like like old Elvis movies. Okay. And where in those films, the kiss was the orgasm. And, there, yeah. and it never went past that. So that's the kind of kiss I was going for. So I showed them several clips. And described it, and was described the moment before, and we just captured it. Did they, did they nail it, or did you they have to like it. go? Okay, nope, they nailed it. I gotta imagine that can be awkward if you say we need a kiss like this, and then they do it, and you're like, I, "That's that's not the kiss I was going for. <laughs> I, I was think, going for more tongue, less tongue, or I whatever." Think we just went over it so much beforehand yeah. that they just nailed it. Okay, you you mentioned you know back in the day um, that like certain producers and directors had some tricks that they would pull. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of nefarious tricks would be going down? Well, um, a lot of times there was be two cameras. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, well, during the f- love scenes, they would be improvised and they would have a camera moving. Okay. So it's moving around and getting different shots so they can cut it together and they can repeat <coughs> shots and make like a two minute, thing with music over it and sometimes they would have two cameras Mm -hmm. and sometimes that second camera is just pointing on the girl's crotch the entire time and then you're moving around and you're not watching like wait where's that camera and what's being shown you're just thinking you're 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 turning over or turning or something or bending and they're catching part of your anatomy yeah. that you didn't want. Like, if you don't have that in the contract, like, just because they shoot it, can they shoot something and say, oh, we're not using this these frames over here? Or are they not even supposed to be shooting? Like, if you have, like, an agreement for, like, no nipples, then if they happen to catch one, is that, you know, I don't know. Like, how much does well, one freak out? Th- that's different. Yeah. It's different now. Okay. Now – the nudity writers are protecting the actors more. Yeah. At the time we signed nudity writers, but we didn't really have any, uh, (laughs) we didn't have any way to do anything about it at the time. There was no teeth. Yeah, there was no teeth. And, uh, once they get it in the, in the can, there's not a lot you, you could have done about it. But now with it, with nudity writers, you, if, Especially if the actors have any power and if they have a name or mm-hmm. if they're a series regular, they can have certain stipulations that only my right cheek is shown, not my left cheek, only my right boob or no boobs or whatever. And then you have to look it over in post-production and make sure that matches. Yeah. What were, what were some other tricks that they were trying to pull? <sighs> 
trying to get you not to wear a patch. Um, is there like artistic merit to that? Or is it just, you know, what, what we want to see no. this actress's crotch? <laughs> well, that's an argument that's way beyond me. And okay. it's not my... It's not for me to say, but I feel like um, sometimes you can catch a vibe with with certain people. You can get you. you it's like, oh, this one's kind of seems like motivated know. for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um. What was the question? I was just asking. <laughs> well, because like you know, in the, when we were, when we started, you were you know said that back in those times that there were like some some tricks people tried to pull to take advantage when people weren't as conscious about you know all this stuff. And I was curious, like, what sort of tricks were being pulled? Or are they, you know, are there some tricks like that they're still being pulled today? Um, no, I don't. It's not happening today, yeah. especially in um, it's okay network stuff. Because these were films that were independent films uh-huh. that were st- straight to video. And now the same types, the same level of nudity and sexuality is being done, but, but they're being done on Netflix or Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so those big corporations are not going to be as skeezy as these, you know, Joe Blow little movie companies. Right. So you do have that going for you. And they do, and they do want to protect themselves because the Joe blow little movie companies, they were working on independent LLCs for each film Mm -hmm. and Amazon is one company. (laughs) So they've got a lot of, uh, they've got a lot of assets to protect and they don't want to have lawsuits. That's fair. So then what, I guess, how did you make your transition into, um, adding, adding intimacy coordinator to one of your many hats? Um, well, when it started becoming a thing, I felt like, many people like oh i that's perfect for me that is something that speaks to me mm. that is my particular skill set and history is perfect for this and while i my main passion is directing i feel like this is alignment with that mm. and it's it's almost kind of like second unit directing although i don't step on a, another director's toes sure. i'm there to facilitate their vision not my vision i'm there to bring ideas that they can use or not use. But I feel most at home on a, on a set. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm really myself when I'm working on a set and working with actors and creating great scenes. What do you love about it? I, I don't know. It's, just, it's what I've been doing. It's where I've been most at home. Like that first taste of, of bad onset coffee is like, <laughs> I just feel like I'm home <laughs> and working with actors. I feel like, that's just when I'm really me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You go like, it's almost like you get to direct, like just like being second unit, except instead of like shooting some field with three other people, it's like you get to do this one microcosm of, of the, of the show or of the movie. Yeah. And when you're making your own project, you have to raise the funds and you do all the prep work and the, you know, there's a lot of beforehand and a lot of afterhand. And in th- this, I feel like I just get to come in and do the fun stuff and leave. <laughs> and do you, do you think that um, intimacy coordinators are on the rise in Hollywood? Do you think that's going to become a more regular thing? I think it's, I think it's, well, they have an opinion about it. <laughs> They're like, the more the merrier. They're like, yes. <laughs> um, I think it's about to blow up. Yeah. I think it's absolutely, it's about to blow up. And it's going to become a, it's going to become a regular requirement on every set that has intimate scenes. Is that something like SAG would negotiate type of thing, or do you think it'll just become well, a, a standard practice? We hope so. SAG just yesterday released 
their definition of what the job is. Oh. And because they wanted to be the first the, the first um, guild to define the position. Uh-huh. So they put out a standard protocol and, and definition of and, and of what training an intimacy coordinator should have. What type of training should an intimacy coordinator have? Well, you should have um, bystander intervention. Um, let's see. I've got a list right here, actually. Oh. <laughs> Let me just pull this up. Fantastic. Oh, re- oh serious keyword. Fair. Okay. Yeah. I just noticed the <laughs> just noticing, sticker yeah. on the back of your yes. laptop. <laughs> Um, unconscious bias, preventing sexual harassment, uh, the sexual harassment laws in the state that you work in, which for me is California, obviously. Um, consent, trauma, also mm. scene study and and mm. and filmmaking and had and 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 on set etiquette. How, what you know if you you have to have been on a set to know what different role who does what roles and what and what roles you work with. Yeah. So there's a lot of that goes into being ready to do it. Did you learn something new when you were, I guess, you know, you know, I assume you're taking like some courses, you're Mm -hmm. taking a class here on on things with the consent, you know, was there anything you learned? You were like, oh, I never thought about that. Oh, absolutely. I love taking classes anyway. I take classes about twice a week anyway, constantly (laughs) on filmmaking, on, you know. Crochet, whatever. I just want to learn stuff. Uh, yeah, not that. World War One history. <clears throat> Why not? Um, I'm taking a film class tonight, actually. Oh. Um, What's wait? What what class do you could you <clears throat> still take in film? Uh, let's see. Tonight's <laughs> class is the fundamentals of cinematography with DP Matthew Irving. Week one is the history of cinema. What? what why? Why are you still taking you know film classes when you're a director and I producer feel like and because i still love i still love studying it and i learn things all the time and oh. get reminded of things that i had forgotten or it sparks new ideas that's awesome because so many people like being in an industry for you know such a you know, long period of time will just be like get so set in their ways it, it, i feel like there might be I mean, I'm guessing, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, that like there might be some pushback to this new job in the industry. Like uh, a director who's been doing it 30 years, be like, "Don't tell me how to make you know the sex scenes in my movies." Well, I'm sure there is. Yeah. They're not. They, I, You're they not, might you not be. <laughs> you haven't. Uh, well, they're not exactly hiring me, so I don't. Okay. I don't hear of that. Okay. They're saying it to themselves and to their people. But yeah, have you? So, w- was there anything about, um, I guess, intimate, you know, intimate scenes that you learned through? That yeah, you I mean, by? studying consent and um, trauma. I definitely, it definitely showed me. It it made me recognize things that had happened to me hmm. that had affected me that I had kind of buried, and it showed me how to prevent that happening to other people and it definitely showed me how like wow i tolerated so many things and i went along with things because that was how to work at the time mm-hmm. and so i i definitely have learned from studying more and i and i feel like if you're not studying i don't what i feel like you always need to be studying because things are changing and they're getting better and if you're not studying then you're staying back the way the things were and you're not getting better and um you just won't be along for the ride when things move forward. Yeah. 
the, there's part of that like where you when you're remembering stuff from back then there's part of it's like left brain like okay now how do i practically apply this to mm-hmm. you know work now but what's it feel like to almost be hit with with the realization later well i mean look we didn't know any better at the time i mean we we were doing the best that we could and uh as far as the actresses are were concerned You know, I don't want to poo-poo on people from 20 years ago. It, it happened, and there were definitely some shady characters that I had brushes with, and I pretty much came out fairly unscathed, but um, I don't remember. I don't know if this answers your question, but, but I'm it, you know what? It kind of heals any of those scars in me to go forward and help other actors Mm. because as a director you're working with actors and it's like it's another extension of that for me and it and it it fixes those wounds that i have yeah because i can't go back 20 years and go hey don't do that to me (laughs) but i can fix it for other people and it it totally makes that healed for me in me yeah do, I mean, are some of those shady characters? I mean, I'm not asking any names. I'm just saying, but like, are they still? Most of out them here are dead. Working? They're almost no, m- dead. Most of them are dead. Oh, you're like okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm old. Sure. I don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this I, was back I in the day. No that Louis B. Mayer was quite a scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any of my listeners get bonus points if they know who, who Louis B. Mayer is. Um, go read. Jimmy okay, and I'm not stuff. really that old. No, <laughs> just, that was a joke. <laughs> I picked up on that. What? Um, you know what? What do? You, what in Hollywood do you think still what plenty still needs to change, but what do you think like the next step, the next like concrete steps should be in the long journey of change? Wow, that's a big question. You know, I'm just here on the Man or Podcast <laughs> doing big things. <laughs> um wow. Um boy, that's a big question. Well the- if you could go to if you go to SAG and DGA and PGA right now and say, here's three things we gotta be doing. Two here's two things we gotta do like now. Well, I I think that it needs to be re- a requirement to have an, an intimacy coordinator on every set where there's intimate scenes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it would be great if we could work under the umbrella of SAG and be covered by SAG. Mm-hmm. Um, that is That would be, and I feel like that's coming. But also they need to start bringing more of actors into the room because a lot of it, a lot of these, I mean, it's, it's going to change. It's going to develop. There's, there's still, there's still little things that I think need to be added to that list of, of protocol. Like, well, I mean, like they don't have on the list, they don't have, they have a protocol of meeting with the producer or doing this, doing that, but, but there's no protocol that says anything about walking the actors back to their room after the scene. Well, like after. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, the aftercare definition is very vague and it's so, one thing that is so simple and it, and it, it could prevent a lot of things like the most common violations between actor and actor happen during the scene, but, but that's being addressed with the choreography. So that's great. Cool. That is, but, but then when the scene's over and they go, great, cut, take, uh, let's moving on. The actors just put their robes on, and and 
you know, you go to craft service or you go, you know, no one's like really sticking around. So no one's keeping an eye to make sure someone doesn't, yeah. you know, tap your ass so or second, follow you back to the trailer. The second most common actor on actor violations happen in the dressing room or in a place after the scene. Mm. So just like, why isn't it just a rule to to walk them back and or, or to stick around and make sure, I mean... I'm sure con- conscientious intimacy coordinators are probably are doing that. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. But it's not in the protocol. Why can't you just put a line there that says, walk them back to the room? That because- makes total sense to me. I did I did a fucking reality show on Lifetime and they, they, they put us, it was like going on first date live. And afterwards, like me and the girl, we both were put in separate SUVs. There's a driver. And then there's like a second guy in the car who's like, no, I have to make sure I can see you walk into your building. Yeah, he's like just because like one you were drinking, we have to make sure you don't get yes, hurt. But also, exactly. we want to make sure no one like. I mean, it's probably more for her than me, but we want to make right. sure no one followed you home on the way exactly. back from That's the right. shoot. It's like this actress Sarah Scott that that she had the experience of she was doing a nude scene and the actor she was working with put her hand on his erect penis during the scene, and then after the scene, they went back to their dressing rooms, and this was like maybe two years ago, two, three years ago. And he came into her room or brought her into his room or something. And he, and he disrobed and masturbated in front of her. And where was anyone (laughs) like, you know, when you're going, when it's time for you to do the scene, the, the, the second AD or the second second comes to you and they're, and they grab the actors and they're like, all right, we're walking to set. They're talking and they're walking. They're like, first team's walking. They've got the flashlight in the ground. Make sure you don't trip on anything. They bring you to set. You do the scene. And then it's like, great, you're wrapped. And then they, you're just on your own. So it's like, why, why wasn't, why didn't they just walk them back and make sure that that, because if someone was right there, he would not have done that. Yeah. And it's so simple. Anyway, I'm I'm going on. Too no, long that's a that's so a real that's a very important tangent to go on. So, I mean, that's a really terrible story. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that 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 the good intimacy coordinators, I'm sure that they're they're doing that. I, they're not dumb, and they know what they're doing. I'm sure they're doing that. I just feel like because we've got a whole hundreds of new intimacy coordinators to train, let's put that in the rule book. Yeah. That that that's a no brainer to me. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. Nah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that shucks. was that was a very good idea. <laughs> well, <had>. thank you. <laughs> I mean, so so if there were any you know actors listening, you know, of any gender, like what would you, what would you give them as a tip to advocate for themselves for now while intimacy coordinators are still getting normalized? Well. Actually, um, Time's Up just put out a whole guide mm-hmm. for that. And there's and there's tips on this guide and I would I would send anybody to, to Time's Up to download the guide for uh there's there's tips on when you work with an intimacy coordinator and when you don't have one. Mm-hmm. And um I would defer to them because they've done a very good job of, mm. of writing those out. Okay. Are there any other like really big improvements that's been going on that don't have to do with the intimacy coordinator, but that's been just going on in the industry that maybe the people who aren't in it wouldn't notice? Um, no, just the technology. The te- technology is getting so much easier. I mean, I can make a movie on my phone now, whereas back in the day, it was like you had to have 30 grand just to buy the film. <laughs> so... 
uh, the, it, the technology, I don't, I don't know if audiences probably don't know, but the technology is m- moving. The way you make films is pretty much, it's been the same forever. The crew jobs are still the same. He's a rowdy one. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what I'm looking for, My but dog. I'm looking. I'm going in circles. I'm moving around. <laughs> My dog <laughs> is going in circles. <laughs> it's going in circles, but there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's nothing moving here. There's nothing. To, you're not going to find anything new. It's Yes, when you go back that way, it's going to look like a bunch of records again. It's still going to be like that. <laughs> His name is Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, that's is this one also? Are they all directors? Or well, he had a brother when I first adopted him. His brother's name was Fellini, and he, but Fellini passed away. <laughs> Rest in peace to both of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and before that, I had one named Stanley Kubrick, and he passed away. Oh, so too soon for both of them. Yes, um, for all. Yeah. Yes. Um, is, is there anything else that you think people should know uh, that you that you find mm. fascinating about being an intimacy coordinator or about um, onset sex scenes that I don't think a lot of us think about? Well, I one of the things that that has people scared is they're like, "Well, are are intimacy coordinators going to be like the police? Are they going to make it sanitized?" And it's like, actually, no. We make we can make the sex scenes hotter. Yeah, because whatever if you, if it's planned in advance you can really explore the sexualities of these characters and, and get research and, and, and consultants on those types of sex acts yeah. and make it more authentic. And less re- scissoring. Yeah. Less scissoring <laughs> and, you know, more, more authenticity and more real. And you can even make, I mean, you can make a hot movie like, like I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo on, um, Blue is the warmest color. I, I mean, listen, I could make a hot movie like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against, I'm not even against any type of sex scenes, no matter how explicit, as long as, you know, everyone's consenting to it. Right. But uh, I feel like w- this is going to make sex scenes better. Yeah. For everybody. And like, if you're making a movie with sex scenes, why wouldn't you want them better? Yeah. It's such a lame, I think it's such a lame point of view to, to go, um, whether it's the onset stuff or just like kind of getting more affirmative consent in general. Like, um, like I, I don't think affirmative consent needs to be like the criminal standard, but I think it's the standard for good sex. I think it's the standard for better sex. I mean, Jesus, I, you know, being, I've had women ask to kiss me. I've asked to kiss for, and it's like really hot to just be like, I really want to kiss you right now, rather than just like, let's close our eyes and lean in and hope. <laughs> it's, right. right? Oh, yeah. That and, can go bad. <laughs> and, and there's so many, because I do get a lot of men who will come, because like, look, I live the I live a sex life that a lot of guys like fantasize about. And I think, and I've had guys, I had a guy come up to me at this like sex expo I was at, is called the Brooklyn Sex Expo, and I had a booth. And dude comes up to me, he's like, oh, yeah, man, I love podcasts. I love Joe Rogan. And I was already like, this is going to be... <laughs> I'm already concerned. He's like a 57 year old man who loves Joe Rogan. I was like, okay. And, um, you know, he's probably a libertarian, calls himself liberal. Who knows? And he, he's like, so what do you think about this Me Too bullshit? Like, it's just going to be so much more difficult to date. But in my mind, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, oh, it's not going to affect you because you don't date. Like, the, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, this isn't going to make your sex worse because I don't think you're having it. So I don't know why you're so right. pissed off right now, angry man. Uh, but but the, the ask all this stuff I think makes so much hotter because it's just another step in things. I I I won't get too graphic, but it's like I've coordinated some like 
sex scenes with friends or strangers or whatnot where like it was very much scripted and it, the script making was kind of the hot part like that is kind of the foreplay was all the planning and then doing it was almost just as hot maybe only a little bit hotter than all the the talking and coordinating or actually at this point i want you to do that and i want you to do this it's like i, I think all of, all of this conversation makes it all hotter which is, I feel like, what we're trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, I think the fear that you're talking about with this man and and some of the and some of the people that are are afraid of of office politics and and being and and taking sexual harassment classes and and being told you can't do this or that the way they used to do it and get away with it. I f- they're they're afraid and they should be afraid. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, if if you're there to make to make art keep your keep your violations to your in in your home (laughs) keep your consent violations at home and yeah exactly go go to a bar and do some consent violations i mean don't do it at work you you, we're all here to make art and and the team that you've gathered your employees and your cast and we're all everyone's there to make art and and to to bring your own sexual gratification into that and try to force that onto people or 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 make people's work you know feel degraded and abused like how is that productive to what you're trying to do you're trying to make a a movie or a tv show it's in your best interest to treat your people better so it's like if a producer hires someone like me um, yeah, we're there to protect your actors for you, even if it's against you, because we're covering your ass. We're helping you not fuck up. So that you can make more of these. Yeah. I mean, because have we not noticed day, that certain people haven't been making stuff recently? That's kind yeah. of a reason. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, don't you want to make a good product that does well in the marketplace? You know, if people are coming out in interviews saying like, yeah, that director made a scissor for 20 minutes uh, <laughs> and it, I, I was not down with it. Yeah. Not a lot of people are going to be excited to go see your flick or work with you. Work with you. Yeah. Right? That. Well, um, Regina, thank you so much for chatting with me. I, I think we all learned quite a bit. I hope so. Um, yeah. And wait, where can people find you? Where can they find your work? Um, well, I have a website, uh, pinkmermaid.productions. And my intimacy coordinating company is ICAFT.org. That's uh, Intimacy Coordinators Alliance for Film and Television, ICAFT.org. And then my, but my personal intimacy coordinating website is intimacycoordinating.com. Ooh, you got in early. You <laughs> yes. got you got that good URL. Good for you. <laughs> There's someone out there with uh, uh, intimacycoordinating1.com. Uh, <laughs> and one dot J dot two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Well, Regina, thanks again for chatting with me. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? All right. Bye. <laughs> it was great talking to you too. Truly fascinating conversation with Regina Benali. Um, I, you know, it, uh, it's one of those topics that I'm just like so intrigued by, and I cannot wait for this position of intimacy coordinator, um, you know, to to pop up more over the next, you know, several months and years, whenever we're allowed to, you know, shoot movie things again. Uh, but I'd love to know what you thought about this week's show. I know we'd both love to. Uh, you can hit me up on the Twitter at the Billy Uh I'm on Instagram at Billy is Prasita. 
And you can also go to Facebook and like the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page. Uh, if you want to send something that's a little longer, something a little more intimate, uh, you can send your comments, your questions, your criticisms, your titty pictures to manwhorepod at gmail.com. You can even take a voice memo, send that over, and you'll get to hear yourself on this show. I'm super excited to do the very first monthly Man Whore Munch on Zoom tomorrow night with all the $7 and up members of my Fan Whore community on Patreon. If you want to join us, uh, join up at the $7 tier or higher at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. Next week, we've got on porn performer and free speech coalition member Lotus Lane. Really great episode. Pairs very nicely with this, kind of like a nice red wine with a juicy steak. Mmm. Looking forward to bringing her to y'all next week. And until then, everybody, stay slutty. Like when it's socially acceptable and medically acceptable to be a little more slutty. Don't be super slutty right now. You know, try to rein it in. Get digitally slutty. That's what I'm going to stay. Stay slutty online. <laughs>